Just so everyone is aware, I will say video cast sometimes because I actually have a YouTube channel. If you would like to check me out, it is called The Gospel Call. There you can watch my sermons and interviews with people where I ask for their thoughts on the afterlife. I go through the good person test and even talk about the wonderful plan of salvation, like how Jesus paid for all our sins. Yeah, that one. I also have a TikTok channel at The Gospel Call No Spaces and Instagram, also The Gospel Call No Spaces. So thank you very much for checking out my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. God bless. Hello and welcome to The Gospel Call Podcast. My name is Samuel D. Spoonar, if you didn't already know that. And today I will be talking about whether or not the Bible is trustworthy. And certainly in today's world where trustworthiness is very much needed and also wanted, I believe it's wanted, but it's certainly <laughs> needed, uh, especially something that we can stand upon that is true. That is certainly something that people are looking for. Well, a lot of what scoffers or skeptics might say about the Bible is that it was written by men or that you can't use the Bible to prove itself. So even further than that, the manuscripts were corrupted. Um, think of anything that could be used against even any religious text against it to say that it's incorrect. Like, it doesn't line up with history, say even something like that. So I am certainly going to go over just a few proofs and some apologetics. I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to give you the evidence. I'm just going to tell you it because I know it's true and I've studied it for myself. Honestly, I always encourage people to study these kinds of things, which is something that you should do. <laughs> Personally, if you're going to go out evangelizing, you should really know this stuff from heart. But even so, I'm still going to give some apologetics. So say something quick to say to some atheist coworker or some, something like that, or maybe even just a conversation starter and a way to keep it going. So first and foremost, the manuscripts that we have, just for the New Testament alone, we have actually over 6,000. I'm not talking about the Byzantine texts. I'm not talking about the Westcott and Hort. I'm talking about, in general, as many that we have, that's over 6,000. That is a lot of manuscripts. I've been told that we have more manuscripts for the Bible than any other religious text. I mean, technically the Torah, but the Torah is a little different because that's just the Old Testament or the Tanakh, uh, to be more correct. But especially the New Testament is really important because as Christians, the only reason we're Christians is because God made a New Testament, a new covenant. And that's what Christianity is. Regardless, we have over 6,000 of those that actually corroborate with each other. In other words, the newer ones still say the, relatively the same thing as the older ones. So we don't just have like newer documents saying like completely different stuff. Almost, you know, say like uh, telephone. Most people think that telephone was an issue. Honestly, the only minor like defects that we have in these manuscripts are say like one letter or maybe two letters in one or two documents. Um, and a manuscript isn't just 
one piece of paper. That's not one piece of paper, no. These are like uh, books, collections of books, almost collections of Bibles. Like we're talking like large collections of words, not just one page, if you see what I'm saying, or one chapter. It's much more than that. So even the minor defects found in these, you can still figure out what is going on because you have so many others to prove what is true, right? It's just like if you were in court trying to prove your case, if you had one person come up and say, okay, I have 100% proof that I'm right against this guy's account and I'm going to testify myself. Then the guy against him, his opponent says, I have 6,000 witnesses. Who do you think the judge is going to believe? Or at least the jury? Probably the guy with 6,000. I mean, at least if they're corroborating, right? If they're saying relatively the same thing, they're giving the same idea, then you're going to trust the guy with 6,000, right? Like, why in the world would you trust the one guy? In other words, it would be ignorant of God to just have one set manuscript or one set Bible or one set translation. It's stupid to do that because no one has any reason to trust it then. God is literally being intelligent about all of this in, in a historical and archaeological sense. There's so many different Bibles out there that you can find in, in from the manuscripts, from the, the Hebrew and the Greek. We're talking about the New Testament here specifically. So the Greek, you, you can find these just in all other countries, and they all say the same thing. And they go along with the older ones, too, almost to the time back when they were written. And you're telling me I should trust in one translation or or one manuscript. I mean, not that certain ones can't be corrupted or filled with certain doctrines, which has happened. We've, we've seen this before. You know, people have done this and they do it with translations all the time. I'm not saying you can't trust your Bible. I'm saying you can, but you don't trust one version of it, right? I, again, it's like if, if I had one witness that just said one thing over and over and over again, but he still, he can't give me further proof. But if I had 6,000 that said relatively the same thing, just all in their own words, I would still have more evidence. And guess what? They don't even say it in different words. They say it in it, the exact same thing, practically. Like in a pra that's why I keep saying this in a practical sense, because if you just have one word missing, it's still the same word. It's still the same meaning, right? It is, it is the same meaning. If I were to say a sentence like, I know that is truth. Okay, what exactly did he say? So in another recording, I have, I think that truth is mm. Okay, then in another recording, I have, I think that truth, mm, truth. Can you still understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, because you collect them together. 
It's genius, utter genius. Scoffers can't fight something like that. They can't fight something like that. They can take one thing and burn it, but they can't take 6,000, over 6,000. They can't do that. Even further than that, we have uh, other men who actually wrote about specifically the life of Christ. Because the New Testament, you realize this, is specifically about the life of Christ and the teachings that go along with that. So the four Gospels are technically not the only uh, evidence or writings that we have of Jesus Christ in his life. We have recordings from the life of Jesus from a man named Josephus who is actually a heathenist. So at the time, he didn't necessarily believe in Christ. He did eventually become a Christian, but he, he was a historian. Okay, and his job was to record these things. So he was interested in Jesus. And not that I know the story 100%, but I, I'm just guessing here and what I've been told. He was really interested in the life of Christ, so he started writing about him. He was one of the eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ being alive after he had died. So he was one of those witnesses, which is why he ended up being a Christian. But regardless, so we have eyewitness accounts not just in the Gospels, but outside of the Bible, they don't all say the exact same thing. But you get the gist, right? In the four Gospels and the differences, they still say Jesus rose from the dead, just in slightly different words. Same idea. So what does that mean? Does that mean it's trustworthy? Uh, yeah, we're not trusting one guy. We're trusting multiple people. That's why when the Bible says that there were 500 people gathered, that's why that's such a big deal. Because one person is not near enough. 500 and recorded from historians? I think we should trust our Bible. I, I think we should. Or especially the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, even if the rest of the Bible is wrong, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead... Isn't that trustworthy enough? That gives me reason enough to be a Christian. I mean, think about it. If a guy rises from the dead by himself, I'm going to do what he says. I don't need to seek for truth. This guy just rose from the dead. I'm trying to escape death. So I'm going to trust that guy. That's practically what Jesus did. That's why we trust him. Because he actually did rise from the dead. This wasn't just some random event that they just uh, record in an awkward kind of way. No, 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 no. They were eyewitnesses. If they thought this was nuts, they would not have died at the stake for this. But they did. They were killed for telling everyone, hey, Jesus, he rose from the dead. He conquered death itself. You need to repent and trust alone in him, and then you will be saved from God's judgment. They were burned for that. And again, burned. If they knew for a fact that this was a lie, because again, they were eyewitnesses. We have historians who said that they were there. Then why wouldn't they recant? They had chances. But we have records of almost all 12 disciples and how they died. And they wouldn't recant. No, they preached it till the very end, to the very bitter end. And many other Christians who've done this. Why aren't we trusting our Bible more? Why? Right. 
because it's one book. Ah, <gasps> that brings me to my third point. It's not just one book. That's the thing. Most uh, scoffers that I come across, they'll say something like, well, you can't really use the Bible to prove itself. Actually, there's a lot of reason why you can use the Bible to prove itself. The Bible isn't one book. Bible just means book of books. It's not actually 66 different books. It's it's technically less than that. But regardless of that argument, that's a different argument. 40 over 40 different authors, roughly 40 different authors from all almost all different ethnic groups and they wrote this over a span of 3000 years, roughly. Think think about that for a second. One author? No. 40, roughly, from different ethnic groups. Completely different kinds of people. And they all gave one encompassing idea. And you might say, well, those are just the books that were put together. So what? No, these were the books that if you if you say that to a Jew, they're going to get a little upset because they know for a fact that the the Tanakh is is not just genuine. It's it's real. It's what they originally wrote. It's history. Historians use the Bible and we have historical evidence from archaeological finds and scrolls and manuscripts and uh, thousands of archaeological finds and evidence to all cooperate and collaborate with all of these things. And again, 40 different authors, different books, different people. It's not one book. It's just a collection of the books that God had inspired. He gave these people wisdom and knowledge when they were writing them. It wasn't just some willy-nilly, oh, I'm going to write this down. A lot of them were historians. David, he, was, he did a lot of poetry. That's why we have Psalms. Proverbs is wisdom from Solomon. He wrote that down. But where did that wisdom come from? That came from God. So he wrote it all down. But God was the one who still intervened in all of this. None of it is apocryphal. If you actually re read the entire Bible through, you can't find one place where it truly contradicts. If you read the context, it never contradicts. And I should know, I've read it nine times over. It doesn't contradict itself. In fact, it proves itself. And the New Testament also does that. Jesus quoted from the New Testament to the Old Testament. He constantly quoted it. He quoted, and in fact, <laughs> even greater than this, during uh, the Roman times, the Hebrew scholars, they actually updated the Hebrew manuscripts uh, from Hebrew to a Greek, Koine Greek. They actually updated the Hebrew manuscripts into Greek. Now, honestly, today, if you were to do with that something like uh, the King James, honestly, <laughs> you'd probably be kicked out of a lot of churches and a lot of people would not like you for that. But why, why would they do that? Why in the world would they take God's word? And th these were Jews. 
And they updated it? Oh, I know why. So that the people of the day could understand it. So that the people of the day could understand God's word. Because hold on a second. If everyone just says the same idea, right? Not the exact same words, but gives the same idea, the gist of it. Is it still considered God's word? See if I paraphrase a verse. Is it the same idea? Is it still considered God's word? Technically, none of that ink and paper is not God is God's word. But technically it is. God's word isn't ink and paper. It never has been. It never was. It's not English. It's not Hebrew. It's not Greek. It's not Arabic. It's the idea that is given to us in any language. I get there are people that are going to disagree with me. But think about this for a second. If you can have God's word in any language, why is it limited to one language? It's not. It never has been. Why did God use Hebrew and Greek? Because they're root languages. Because you can use them to write in pretty much any language. It's genius. You have all of these manuscripts that collaborate and cooperate with each other. And different authors and different archaeological finds. It all makes sense. He proved the Bible was trustworthy years ago. We just haven't seen the evidence yet. And now we do. We have all of this evidence. And we've had it for a, a, quite a while. It's not limited to just the atoms that make up the words. It's not limited to the air that we speak. God is not limited in any of that fashion. His word, and in fact, I'd say that the Greek word for word I had talked about this a little bit in my truth video, but how the word word in the Bible, you know, in beginning was in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It's, it, it's referring to Jesus. But that word there word, it, it just means idea. It was the, the Greek word for logos. And it means idea. In other words, God is the ultimate idea perfection the absolute standard because he's in a different realm he's in the metaphysical realm all ideas are metaphysical they're spiritual so god is the ultimate idea and the original one not that he himself is limited in that fashion because we're talking about god here he's he's god so he's timeless spaceless immaterial um but that that's not the point that's not what even the Bible is trying to give off. It's the fact that the Bible that we have only means anything because of the idea that it gives to us. If you couldn't understand it, it wouldn't mean squat. But we do understand it because it's in our language. So technically, if you can't understand it, it is not applicable. Right? Isn't that that's the same for anything? If, it, if I can't understand it or comprehend it, or even at least apprehend it, it doesn't mean anything to me, right? Because it, it takes an objective truth and then turns it into, our brains will turn it into a subjective idea and truth that is inherently objective. So it still is an objective truth originally, but unless I, if I don't understand it, 
then it doesn't mean anything to me and it won't change me at all. But I do understand God's word, not because of the ink, not because of the paper, not because of the words in English, but because of the idea that it gives to us and that it gives to me. That's why a pastor can paraphrase and not get shot down from the pulpit for it. Because God's word is not limited to words. It's so much more than that. And that's why you can trust your Bible. Because just as God is eternal, so is his word. And that's why it still even applies today. Is <laughs> because, well, mainly just because he's written uh, his con- He's written his law on our hearts via our conscience. So therefore, we know what is right and what is wrong. And that also has to do with his word. Um, but even so, uh, the Bible is, is a very powerful tool. And I want to end with these verses. I, I love using these um, whenever I come across uh, so someone who thinks the Bible is illegitimate or a Christian who's asking for why can I trust the Bible. So 2 Timothy three fifteen through 17, you might know this, and that from a babe, you know, and Paul is talking to Timothy here, and that from a babe, you have known the Holy Scriptures. In other words, he's, he's known it for his whole life, which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfected, thoroughly furnished to every good work. It is a very useful tool, and it is given by God, is breathed by God. In other words, God spoke it, and it was made so. And this doctrine, this this reproof, we can reprove people, we can give doctrine, we can correct people because we have God's word and his scripture. And it's written in English. Can you believe that? Just fathom that. I, I'm getting off topic here, but let me read Romans 15:4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, so that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Uh, I do actually have another one. I didn't realize it, but First Peter 1, 24 through 25, for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of, of the grass. The grass withers and it flower, the grass withers and its flower falls out, but the word of the Lord endures forever. There's that word again. It's capitalized. It's logos. And this is the word, Logos, preached as gospel to you. And this is the idea preached as gospel to you. Think about that for a second. It will never fade. Two thousand, Well, not 2,000 years later, but almost 2,000 years later, it's still relevant. It's never going to die. It's still here. And now it's more trustworthy with all of the findings that we have. More, not less. More. You can't disprove the Bible. I'm sorry. Honestly, we should really be asking ourselves, why isn't the Bible trustworthy? Not, is it trustworthy? 
So God bless you all. Thank you so much for watching this podcast. Go out with love, preach the truth in love, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.